Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Ocean Riders podcast. Conversations with creatives, entrepreneurs, thinkers, and dreamers who also happen to be surfers. My name's Imi, and I am your host. Today's episode is a conversation with the multi-talented Taylor Morozova. She's an amazing person and has an astonishing story. She taught herself to surf in New Zealand and then became part of the brave and awesome surfing community in the Great Lakes of the USA. So she's full of surprises and she shares her story today. In fact, Taylor and I have more than surfing in common as she and her husband have just launched the Weird Waves podcast. So check out their podcast on the online platforms. Anyway, I guess I'll let Taylor do the introduction and the, uh, the presentations. So without further ado, please welcome Taylor Morozova. Well, hello, Taylor, and welcome to the Ocean Riders podcast. How are you today? I'm awesome. I'm very excited to be here. I'm a little nervous, but I'm excited. I know. I, I was very nervous as well. The last time we did the podcast together, it was like, it's funny being in the hot seat. I was just wondering if before we started, you could introduce yourself to the listeners. Yeah. So my name is Taylor Morozova, formerly Taylor Patton. That is my married name. I am living now in Michigan City, Indiana. And yeah, I guess I was born in California. I didn't stay there for very long, but I think that California spirit was maybe born into me a little bit. And I grew up most of my life in Michigan, but my family, we kind of moved around a lot. So I think because of that, I was never really grounded. I was kind of like a free person, you know. I made friends really easily because I had to do that. And yeah, that's kind of, I grew up in the kind of the middle south of Michigan, a very Midwestern typical kind of life. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. And and so did you have brothers and sisters? Yeah, I have a younger brother. His name is Jackson. He is 21 and we are complete opposite. <laughs> <laughs> so I um, always wanted to do new and different and try a bunch of different things. And he is very, you know, he likes where he's at. He was always very into sports. I was never really into sports. We're, we're total opposites, but we're very close. So that's, that's really wonderful. nice. Yeah, because uh, yeah, you've got a really, really typical profile and a sort of path. This is amazing. It's a really, really, really amazing, amazing profile. You're quite a sort of multi-potentialite. And it's amazing the, the amount of sort of ventures that you've been on. I mean, having such an adventurous spirit obviously helps. So do you think you could sort of walk us through the different businesses that you started in your life? <laughs> yeah, I can. So I guess I've always been a little bit entrepreneurial. When I was in middle school, I was very interested in fashion. Mm -hmm. I was planning on going to fashion school in Italy, actually. I was very, very interested in clothes and how people wore clothes. I put on multiple different types of fashion shows and was doing events. And I'm a seamstress. I had learned how to sew when I was younger. And so I was really creative. And what was kind of interesting when I was in high school is there was a very transitional time. The high school I was in was kind of experimenting with these different schedules. And pretty much my high school, everybody just left me alone, which was really nice. So I was like... <laughs> 
I was involved in all these different things. And then I ended up not going to Italy because while I was traveling and looking at different fashion schools, I really hated the people that I was meeting in these fashion departments. I just couldn't stand it. It was very pretentious. It was very like my parents buy me Louis Vuitton, so I'm going to become Louis Vuitton type of thing. And I just, I didn't really like it. And my mom was able to have free college for me where she taught. So I went there and I was just so bored that I started kind of becoming involved in these little things. So I became involved in this like event marketing kind of company. And that was very strange and I wasn't getting paid. I was just kind of learning and I kind of started my own unofficial management company, I guess we'll say. I was kind of like managing some rappers and I had one guy who was like my main guy and he's actually still involved in music. Really? But yeah, he is. He I think he owns his own management company and we had I mean, I can't even believe anybody took me seriously, honestly. <laughs> I was only 18. And I was, I was just talking to people and there's a headphone company called House of Marley. My friend was an intern with them. And so like their team was really small. We sat down and had this interview and about a brand deal with my rapper and them. And then there was this other promoter who was in on the deal. And he's now one of the biggest new talent agencies. He manages this huge rapper called The Baby here in the States. And what ended up happening with that is... My main guy, he went completely silent. Like, he was in a different state. I flew him to my state to meet for this meeting. And then after that, it just, like, totally fell apart. So, yeah. So, that was strange. And then... (laughs) What an amazing life experience, like, to sort of be up there negotiating deals. Like, Well, yeah. (laughs) I mean, I'm not even sure if I had the business to do so, but it was just kind of recently that I was going back through all of that stuff. And it was kind of like a little bit of a strange time. I wasn't really going to class and I was just focusing on this type of thing. And when it all fell apart, I just kind of like, I didn't really know what to do. And also not a lot of people knew that I was doing that because I was supposed to be in class, (laughs) supposed to be going to school. And I wasn't. So it's kind of lost. I ended up getting kicked out of school and I remember working at this job and I had a boyfriend and it was just kind of in this weird place and someone told me to look into teaching abroad and Mm -hmm. I ended up becoming a nanny. I moved to New Zealand. Wow. Just so crazy random and long story short, the first job I had was awful. I quit that one, moved to Raglan, (gasps) which is like world-class surf. I lived there for two, two and a half years and I out of necessity, because I'm a seamstress, I had all these backpackers kind of in and out of my house. I was staying at the hostel and people would just say, oh, Taylor, can you fix this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And then um, I had someone ask me, can you fix a wetsuit? And I was like, well, I don't know. I've never (laughs) fixed a wetsuit before. And then it kind of became like a little challenge. So then all of a sudden I created this newer and different way of kind of like melting the neoprene back together. Wow. Yeah. How did that uh, work? Well, I had this, God, it's just so, it was so just random, but I just kind of practiced on some other wetsuits. I had this kind of like curling iron straightener thing that I used to melt the rip. And then there was kind of like a patch that I would melt on top of it. So it would rebond together the neoprene. 
because that's how they make neoprene anyways. It's a polyester, it's a, a petroleum byproduct. So it's meltable. That's how they, they melt it and they press it to make wetsuits. So I kind of started looking into it. And then I started getting these little, nothing was official. This is kind of the theme of my whole business career. There was nothing official about it at all. It was just kind of like I had this little sign in front of my house and I would come from my day job nannying and I would come home and there would be like wetsuits and like a note and like whatever. And then I started fixing some for the local hostel. So I would just come and get like 20 wetsuits. That is amazing. Grab them and they would pay me $20 per wetsuit. And then I could keep whatever ones I didn't fix. So I used those for like spare parts and it was just like this big cycle. (laughs) Yeah, it was a really awesome time Uh in my life because I kind of got into a community where I had a purpose. Yeah. And I was providing a service that people wanted. And then it kind of expanded into sailboat sales and like kite surfing sales. And I had heard this rumor that this guy that kind of was involved in all the businesses in the town, he used to fix kite surfing kites and he stopped because his vision was going bad, but he wouldn't admit that his vision was going bad. So I heard this rumor that, yeah, there's industrial sewing machines above like the surf emporium. And I was like, no way. Well, yes way. I went up there and I said, God, you guys, there's so much inventory up here. I'll trade you. I'll clean it out and organize everything if you let me work up here. So I kind of like traded my labor for two months of free rent. So then I was able to really start pumping everything out. And then I didn't get a a business visa to continue on. So yeah, but again, it wasn't official. I was so young. I was 21 or sorry, 22, almost 23. Like I had a skill, but there was no paper trail for the skill. (laughs) (laughs) so so yeah that was kind of that one and then I came back to the states and I was just kind of like wasn't really doing anything and I ended up working in this shop again sewing but doing like interiors for classic cars so I was working with like different Italian leathers and these like hundred thousand dollar cars with this guy who he's my mentor his name is Ray now he's 86 uh-huh. and at the time he had like two teeth you know half of a leg because he was a diabetic worked every single day and he had been to Australia and New Zealand before he had traveled and done all this stuff and I learned so much I wasn't getting paid I was getting paid in lunch <laughs> so he would take me to lunch and this whole time I was fighting my legal battle So I was kind of going back and forth with a lawyer and trying to figure out how I could get back to New Zealand. Right. And that didn't end up working. So then I moved to where I'm at now. That's an amazing story. And yeah, you really were sort of attached to New Zealand. Did you have a sort of, did you build a whole community? Is that where you learned how to surf? It is, yeah. So when I first got to New Zealand, I signed with like a nanny agency and they kind of do these little like whatever, meetups and stuff. So I came in August and then in, so two months later we went to, oh no, actually first I went to Raglan for a protest (laughs) and I was just in the ocean for hours just swimming. They were like, Taylor, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I've just, I've never seen anything like this. And I'd been to Florida and stuff, but there was just something that it was like, it was just so powerful to me. So then we went back with this group to learn how to surf. And I did a surf lesson and I was awful, <laughs> just awful. I mean, I was also 
so unhealthy, very, I mean, I had gained a lot of weight when I was in college and I just wasn't fit and I was just obsessed with it. So we had the two hour lesson. Everybody else was like, we're done. And I paid the guy extra 20 bucks to keep the board for whatever. And I think I didn't even stand up until like my third or fourth time surfing. Where I was living, it was only like 40 minutes away from Raglan. So I would work for this horrible, just they treated me so bad. (laughs) They were awful to me. But I worked like insane Monday through Friday. And then I would just take off in the weekend. I would sleep in my car. If I had extra money, I would stay at the backpackers or whatever. But I was like, I'm going to Raglan like every weekend. (laughs) (laughs) And so that's where you you learned to surf and you sort of progressed. Did you progress on your own or did you take more lessons? No, I didn't. I didn't really take any lessons. I knew a couple people and that expanded as I, when I moved there that taught lessons, but I was just always, I wanted to get better. I wanted to be able to surf with my friends and my friends were such good surfers and I was like, nah, at all. So even when it was kind of a flat day when all the like real beginners were out I would take this like little it's the only board I brought back from New Zealand but this little like 510 it's just total biscuit it's a (laughs) tiny and I would just duck dive to teach myself how to get deep so that I could go out with my friends to surf the bigger waves and stuff but I was just like I would surf every single day I just loved it so much that's amazing and so if you were sort of to take anything from all these different ventures what would that Mm -hmm. be in terms of a sort of entrepreneurial spirit kind of thing well what I've kind of figured out and kind of through what I'm doing now is one is that I like people so anything that's involved with people I'm really interested in I just love I love people I like talking to them I like hearing their stories and the other thing is I'm really good at fixing things whether it's like So when you're a manager, you're fixing, you're the middleman. So you're between the artist and the whatever's on the other side. With uh, repairing, it's the same. You're fixing, you have like, you know the goal and you have what you have and you have to kind of figure out the goal. And now I do hair, I'm a hairdresser, it's the same thing. Whether or not the person knows that they need their hair fixed, they need their hair fixed or, you know, changed or manipulated in some way, that's the goal. So I think through that, is that's kind of the main thread that I've been able to pick out for sure. Because especially while I was in school for hair, the last, you know, two years ago, I had a lot of time to kind of think about things and reflect. And that's kind of, it's kind of an odd path, I would (laughs) say. that's, That's definitely... The common thread. Yeah. 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 That's really interesting. And yeah, because I sort of stopped you in the in your paces there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when you got back from New Zealand, you were working mm-hmm. with uh, your mentor and being paid in lunch. Yeah. And then you decided to do hair school. Is that correct? Yes, it is. So this was before I moved to where I'm at now. So I moved to um, Michigan City, Indiana, which is outside of New Buffalo, Michigan. And I had gone six months without surfing. <sighs> I needed to decide, like, am I going to go through and continue on learning this? Is this where I want to live? No, it's not where I want to live. So I need to kind of figure something out. Actually, my old boss, my boss told me that you could surf on Lake Michigan. And uh-huh. I was like, no, you can't. And he's like, yes, you can. I'm like, there's no way. I lived here my whole life, whatever. He's like, I'm telling you. So I just Googled it and I only wanted a board. I was like, if I'm going to live in Michigan, I need to be able to surf. Like I'm going crazy. It's been six or seven months, whatever. 
and they were hiring. <laughs> and I was like, oh, well, they needed a, someone who could teach surf lessons and whatever. And I'm like, well, I'm not like certified, but I know how to surf. And I lived in New Zealand. And they were like, now that I talked to the manager, who's who's a good friend of mine, she's like, you just kind of fell out of the sky. <laughs> like, you just <laughs> needed someone. So my first or second week working this new job, I met my husband. I didn't know he was going to be my husband at all because I wasn't planning on, I was going to work for a summer and go to Oz. Like I was going to set up my business in Australia. I had friends in Byron, like I was going and I, our first messages are me being like, I'm here till September. Like I'm leaving. (laughs) And so, um, I just fell so in love and I met someone whose life really mimicked mine and it was really awesome and we ended up staying and I started hair school because his business was trucking and he was going to learn how to drive a truck and I was like, well, I'm not just going to sit at home and whatever. (laughs) I had tried kind of to restart my business here. It was only kind of working because stuff is just so cheap here. That people don't really fix anything, which is unfortunate. But as a business person, you know, it just wasn't going to happen for me. And with hair, I just thought, like, anywhere we go, I can just give $10 haircuts. And I know that we can whatever. And so I think I had done a lot of half-assed businesses, like, legally standing. Like, there was no paperwork. There was no, like, written anything down. And I had gotten really... I mean, I had to dismantle my whole life, basically, of three years in New Zealand, and that was really difficult. So I didn't really want that to happen again. I wanted to have something that said, like, I have this skill, and, like, Mm. I know that there's a document, and I wanted to have, like, an actual legal business, and I wanted to kind of do things a little bit more, I mean, not a little bit more, but I wanted to have it more legit, and uh, I think that's what led me to hair. It's kind of flexible and it's people. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I like people. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. So what kind of hair services do you go to people's houses and do their hair or do you work in a salon? So recently, about three or four months ago, I went fully on my own. So I have a little studio really close to my house and I do color cuts. And if you want me to come into your house, I will certainly do that. I do weddings and any type of styling and stuff. And then um, I'm also building out a YouTube page because I've had a lot of questions for the women of the Great Lakes or from them because our hair gets frozen. (laughs) And that is a unique, that's a unique issue. Of course. Anyone in an Arctic area. And so that kind of inspired me to share more of my knowledge on that kind of basis and just different things like you know, sulfate-free versus non-sulfate-free shampoos and what's actually the best for the environment. Is it this, you know, eco-friendly one or is it the one that's made in the United States? And there's a lot of questions that people have for me from the surfing community that I want to kind of put out there and just see if people are interested in that. That's so so exciting. So what happens to hair when it gets frozen? Can it kind of break off? So the outer layer of your hair is a cuticle. And this is what expands and contracts when you wet your hair down. And that's why if, you, if you're if you surfing and you have color in your hair, it's going to kind of leach out because the cuticle is just what keeps everything nice and contained. So if your hair is healthy, 
the water molecules are going to kind of sit on the outside of your hair and they won't really cause any damage. Like it'll swell your hair up, but it won't really damage it. If your hair is like split, those water molecules will get inside of where the split ends are and actually expand them and make your hair split more when it's frozen because water expands when it freezes. So that's kind of the damage of that. And then... The worst thing you can do, which is what everybody does after a frozen surf, is go and put then scalding hot water on your hair. (laughs) Because then, you know, it kind of, it doesn't cook it, but all of the oils in your scalp kind of, it just exacerbates the issue. It's just more extreme from one to the other. So kind of the best thing you can do is thaw your hair out nicely, (laughs) you know. And I always like to tell people to wear it in a braid because it's a little bit more protected and to put a conditioner on if you can before you go for a surf because then the conditioner is what freezes it's less likely to get inside of your hair it kind of like keeps everything nice and contained that's really interesting that's excellent (laughs) advice that's amazing and so what's your youtube channel called it's called wave babe hair i'm still building it up i haven't put a video out yet i kind of want to get a few in the arsenal before i start putting them out you know it's um quite a bit more labor intensive than the podcast is Mm. because it's a lot of like editing and I also have to get all my science (laughs) correct and make sure that everything I'm saying is accurate so yeah but it's it's the same as my Instagram it's wave babe hair so lovely lovely well I will put all the details in the show notes yeah Um, thanks (laughs) (laughs) so let's talk about great lake surfing this is amazing (laughs) how does it work I mean So the basics is that there's no tide and there's no groundswell. So everything is windswell and it's freshwater. So you need, you need more volume, even if you're a short border, long border, it doesn't really matter. You need a little bit more beef just because you're not as buoyant Hmm. in freshwater. And the biggest adjustment I think for people would be the time periods between the waves. So if you have a seven second period between a wave, you are calling off of work. No one is going to work because that is an amazing (laughs) time period. I think I've seen it only a couple of times, but yeah, it's a totally different thing. It really humbled me. It really changed my surfing in a really good way because if there's a wave, you're going surfing. Like you're not, <laughs> you're not really like, I mean, some people are, are pickier, but I would say you can't really be picky here. You have to just go and it's very fickle. So it could be working in one spot for like an hour and then the wind changes and it'll either, it can push it completely flat or it can make it too choppy to where it's not rideable. And yeah, so it's wow. very sensitive. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's awesome. And what, what kind of seasons can you surf? Is it all seasons? Until it's frozen over, which it looks like this year it's going to be a whole year. Our lake hasn't frozen, which is, I mean, it's okay. But for a like climate standpoint, it's causing a huge issue with beach erosion right now. So a couple of our surf spots are actually completely shut down because the erosion is just insane. It's wow. It's really bad. So like when it freezes... There's, it's called shelf ice, but it's just ice around the beach. And what it does is even if there's waves, it protects the sand from erosion. So we kind of knew that this was going to be a warmer winter. We basically didn't have a winter 
but usually the ice we get ice all the way but it's not looking like that this year so wow creating a huge problem and the other thing that's I would say unique to lake surfing is that because nobody not that many people know that you can do it is people call the cops on you like a lot (gasps) yeah and I've had a couple of issues with the police and why, why do they call the cops so lake michigan has like the most drownings per year in almost all of america for lakes and it's because it's basically an inland ocean or a freshwater ocean and people don't respect it that's my opinion that's controversial but i do believe that that is a huge issue and so because of the increase in drownings, we are out there when people aren't told not to swim. Right. And people get very upset. And I mean, the stuff that people say to you and to your face, you know, like you're going to drown. And I say no. And then they're like, well, you know, what about the light? You know, just it's just so such a guilt trip. And you're arguing with people and even the lifeguards like they legally aren't allowed to perform or they aren't trained to do surf rescue where I live. Wow. Um, specifically my city, it's a big controversy. We have a lot of people trying to change it. There's the Great Lake Surf Rescue Project, which is doing surf training. And it's kind of one of the strangest things is that people get really mad, actually, at you. And it's very bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> and do you get fined or, or have you managed to sort of avoid that? Well, so in Chicago, in the city of Chicago, it's completely illegal to surf. I know Rex, I can't think of his last name, but he notoriously, I think it was 2011, got arrested for surfing. They they dropped the charges, but it's just kind of, you know, you definitely can't surf in the majority of Chicago. And then, guess, technically, you can get a fine. My boss, my old boss, owner of the surf shop, Brian Gerard, I think he got a $75 fine at one point. But it seems like the legality is as long as you're not at least where I live, as long as you're not teaching lessons, and that's more like a liability issue mm. more than anything else. But if you kind of take your own liability, then there's no fine. So that's incredible. Yeah. That's a, and, and what's the surfing community like in the Great Lakes? It's amazing. Mm-hmm. It is just, it's awesome. It's very, for the most part, I would say that it's super open because we want more people. Some people don't want more people, but I think Every time I see someone out there with me, it's such a joy. There's definitely spots that are more crowded. And where I live, it's only if it's the perfect conditions, it'll suddenly be filled with people. But, you know, there's a couple, only a couple other people that surf with me. But I actually have a lot of surf shops, which is really cool. Kind of spread anywhere from Milwaukee to there's a couple on Lake Superior. It's just really, really cool. And it's such a unique Thing that everybody is pretty helpful to each other, which is just really nice. And mm. I really like that. So I'm I'm definitely a big fan of the Toronto surfing scene because it's a city and it's right there. So there's so many people that the Lake Ontario, those guys, they have something really it's it's Great Lake surfing, but the community aspect of it is just like something I've I've never seen on the lakes before. It's it's really special. Wow, that's fantastic! It's it's a completely unknown world for me to imagine. The only image I have of Great Lake surfing is uh, guys with these sort of icicles, Ice yeah, the icicles <laughs> and the beards and everything. Yeah, they do that on purpose, <laughs> do they? <laughs> yeah, they do it on purpose. Yeah, so they do the ice beard challenge. 
Really? You just see who can get the biggest one and get their picture taken and stuff like that. So pretty cool. <laughs> and so does that happen to your hair as well in, when you're in the water in very cold conditions? So what I do is I usually have two braids and then I kind of like tuck them in the back behind my hood. So the only thing that really gets frozen is if, you know, little baby hairs or now I have bangs. So Mm -hmm. if they kind of like sneak out, then they might get frozen. But your eyebrows and your eyelashes do get frozen. And Uh that's for me, when my eyelashes get frozen, that's when I'm like, yeah, I got to get out. Because when I can't see anything, that's when I'm like, okay, (laughs) it's time to get out. But then also, too, you can just kind of like hold your fingers over your eyelashes and thaw them out. So. This is it's amazing. bizarre. I know it's bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> and what kind of a wetsuit do you have to surf in in those conditions? Well, I just got my first 6.5. So before I had a 5.4 and a 4.3 and a 3.2. So that's the only, that's the main thing about the Great Lakes is a very heavy cost up front to be able to surf year round. It's pretty expensive. It's changing because the more surfers we get, the more used gears on the market and kind of the more open it is for people. But yeah, it's very expensive. So in the winter, it's kind of boots and gloves. The boots are eight mil. (gasps) The gloves are seven mil. The hood, you know, you can get extra hoods and stuff. I don't usually get cold. So for me, I'd rather have a little bit of a thinner wetsuit so I can have the flexibility. Yeah, because you must be pretty sort of stuck if you're in a in a six. Yeah. <laughs> the technology is changing so much. The wetsuit that I just got is from Hyperflex, and they're, it's an American company. They are really focusing on the Great Lakes market, which is really cool. One of my friends works for them, and their women's 6.5, it's like one of the best ones I've, I've ever seen. It's so flexible, and it's more flexible than my old 5.4. So what? I feel I'm really warm but I feel like I'm paddling in my 5.4. That's amazing. That's fantastic. And I, I love <laughs> yeah. the way that there, you know, there is a, there's a whole market and there's a whole really growing community. And you were saying, well, you could get arrested. So does that mean that you can't organize competitions or contests or things like that? No, there certainly are competitions. I think I'm speaking about specifically like my area. Mm-hmm. So there's five Great Lakes. I surf on Lake Michigan. I do know that by Wisconsin, in Sheboygan, I think, is they have a couple different contests. And we do have lots of community events. So Third Coast Surf Shop every year does a luau. This summer will be the third annual Great Lakes Surf Festival, which they do. That's really cool. If there's not waves, they have these this like huge, whatever, boat that creates like a wake and you can like everybody goes in the water with your log and you kind of like sit and you wait for the boat to come by and there's one wave and everybody surfs it's really nice and I mean people think that it's a gimmick which I can see why people would think that but it really is not I mean we get really clean really shreddable waves there's a lot of short borders there's a lot of guys that totally rip and yeah, it's, there's a couple surf contests I know on Lake Ontario. We have a bodyboarding association. Really? In, yeah, I think that's also in Ontario. They do a couple of competitions. So, yeah, we do have competitions and stuff <laughs> like that. So, kind of like you have to know who you're working with, I guess. You know, mm-hmm. like you have to know if the police get called on you, then you just kind of have to talk 
nice to them and explain like, you know, now I, I know my rights. I have in my car like a printed out version of the like property rights and Lake Michigan property rights and kind of the, the lake public access thing. I kind of know that. So <laughs> <laughs> that is so interesting. And it's so, so exciting to, to know that there is like the size of the Mediterranean is probably the size of a great lake or something like, you know, something like that. And we get waves here as well, which is fantastic. And the period is terrible because it's sort of windswell or very little groundswell. But it's just so exciting to know that there's a big community. And does it get busy like in the lineup or are there quite? So I would say yes. At certain spots, there's this a controversy, of course, about naming spots. Mm-hmm. So I will, will not, not name, name any. any. <laughs> no, but you know, um, busy for the lakes is like 50 people. I would say okay. it's not like busy, busy, but because of the time period between waves, and because of only kind of certain spots working, it seems crowded because of that. So there's mm-hmm. kind of like. I don't know. You're really close together. Even if like, if you're on the one wave and the guy behind you is on the second wave, it's very close together because the the wave period is so short. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. I get that. Let's talk about your podcast, the Weird Waves podcast. (laughs) (laughs) So could you introduce us to why you started the podcast in the first place? Well, so the podcast started, I was working in Chicago at the time. And I listened to audiobooks and stuff, and I was listening to Gary Vee. He's, yeah. you know, that business kind of guy. And he's like, I know a guy that runs a Dragon Ball Z podcast, <laughs> and he's making whatever, $58,000 a year. So if you have something unique that you're doing, you should make a podcast right now. And I was like, oh, well, that's kind of like funny. <laughs> kind of thought about it. And then on my drive back, I came home and I said to my husband, like, I'm going to start a podcast about surfing. He's like, what? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I ordered myself a mic and, you know, thought about it. And I was like, well, you know, surfing on the lake is pretty weird. Weird waves, weird waves podcast. Okay, let's just see how it works. And yeah, I just thought of the first person to interview would be my boss, you know, my former boss at the surf shop in New Buffalo. Mm-hmm. And kind of from there, it just thought every Monday we'll do a podcast. We'll just see if anybody's interested in this. And if nothing else, I, I like talking to people and then it's just grown from there. So yeah. That's fantastic. And yeah, so I was privileged to be on your podcast yeah, a few weeks so ago. Fun. So I will sort of put the link in there. And um, no, it's a lovely way of actually sort of connecting with people. In my case, I sort of did that to actually connect with surfers around the world. And so who do you usually contact for the podcast? Is there a kind of, do you sort of search for people by their profile or by the waves that they're used to riding? How do you target your guests? Well, I guess it's kind of spread. It's kind of spread all over. So what's been happening is that we start with one and then it'll kind of go like you should talk to this person Mm -hmm. and you should speak with this person it's been you know I think episode 23 was a guy who followed us on the podcast and when I found his profile he's surfing this river in the middle of Brazil and he like discovered the wave and and I just you know so and then he led me to another person sometimes like I was in Uruguay you know, two or three weeks ago, and I knew I wanted to try and interview someone there. So I just kind of searched like, <laughs> surf Uruguay and just messaged a bunch of people. So the thing is, is that 
I'll talk to anyone, anyone that surfs, because I guess the way my podcast, it's talking to surfers about surfing, but it's also kind of like, who surfs, you know, who are these people that surf? And it's just something that's been really interesting to me. So that's kind of how I've targeted that. And, And from that, the only, I guess, thing that I try to do is I do try to kind of spread out like you know, have like a couple of ocean surfers and then a couple of lake surfers and a couple of river surfers and a couple, you know, and to kind of like spread it out a little bit and, you know, and have the location change a bit so that I'm not just interviewing like 20 people that surf Lake Michigan, you know. (laughs) (laughs) And so it's out every Monday. Every Monday. And how long have you been doing this every Monday? This is amazing. Yeah, since July. Wow. There hasn't been any sort of pod fading or anything. Have you got sort of several interviews in, in the, you know, stored away just in case or how do you manage that? So I'm doing quite a few this week. We kind of did. So like we did a bunch before Christmas to kind of get us through. I did like one week where I had a couple before our trip because I knew that I wanted to kind of have that. I try to have at least one. Sometimes it works out. Sometimes it doesn't work out. <laughs> but Yeah, I don't know. I just, Mondays as a hairdresser, it's always your day off. So it's kind of been this cool thing where I'll record the podcast and then Andre edits the podcast. Now I've kind of started doing the video thing because we find that people really like seeing the conversation. Most of them happen in Skype. So I started doing that. And yeah, I mean, it's work, but I guess the format in which I do it, there's not a lot of editing. So Mm. Unless the audio is really bad, you know, it's difficult. I don't want to like, you know, say that it's not difficult, but it's not that difficult. And we like it. I really like doing it. It's kind of cool. It's something like, I just know that every Monday, 6 p.m., I'm putting out a podcast, <laughs> no matter what. And, you know, we did a couple around like the Christmas time. What, what we saw is that like, you know, if we were to take a break, three weeks around Christmas would probably be a good idea because people are so out of their routine Hmm. that they're not really, you know, Yeah, Yeah, I noticed that too. Yeah, that the sort of figures seem to sort of go wobble Mm -hmm. a bit during holidays or Christmas time. Yeah, but it kind of seems like people then go back. Yeah, and they catch up. (laughs) Right. So, I mean, we'll just see for now every Monday and then, you know. We'll just see what happens. <laughs> Excellent. Well, this has been such an exciting conversation and I'm really, really glad to have actually connected with you. And it would be a pleasure to sort of take you surfing on the Mediterranean if you're in France. Oh, I love they, it. That would be so cool. And you as well on the lake. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'll take you up on that one day. I'll turn up. <laughs> that sounds good. <laughs> yeah, I guess before we sort of wrap this up, I've got a few mm-hmm. questions that I usually ask my guests at the end of the show. Okay. It's four sentences to finish. So basically, the first one is, I love. I love traveling <laughs> and adventure. <laughs> I miss. Oh, I do miss New Zealand. Mm. That's probably the thing I would say I miss more than anything. It's an amazing, special place for sure. Yeah, yeah. I wish. I wish we had some waves today. (laughs) They (laughs) are. Classic. And um, I want. Oh, that's a good one. I want. Hmm. Let me think about this for a second. I want the podcast to continue to do well. Yes, I'll say that. 
That's lovely. That's beautiful. That's a hard one, actually. Uh, yeah, it is actually on the top of on the cuff of a hat like that. Yeah, it's yeah. it's difficult. Yeah. I don't know if you say that expression on the cuff of a hat, but still, <laughs> sorry about that. I feel like I've heard that before. <laughs> on the drop of a hat, maybe. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. So let's talk about what your plans are for the future. Oh yeah. So. Well, my plans for the future, I guess, is to surf as much as possible, of course, continue to build the podcast. And then, you know, I want to grow my salon. That's really important to me. And then I'm also kind of doing this training to become an educator for the brand that I, you know, own. For me, it's another way to travel. So I would love for someone to pay me to travel somewhere. (laughs) That would be pretty unique and special and cool. And, um... Yeah, just focus on building. I said to my husband, both of us, it's like 2020 for us is the year to build. So the last couple of years, we've traveled a lot and we've had a a very, very large amount of fun. And kind of now I want to root myself and just really focus on building both of our businesses. Lovely, beautiful. (laughs) So remind us of how to get hold of you and how to listen to your podcast. Yeah, so if you want to contact me personally, it's at Wave Babe Hair on Instagram. The podcast is at Weird Waves Podcast on Instagram, and you can find it on Anchor, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all of those. And yeah, if you found me through this, send me a message. I want to know how many people <laughs> <laughs> kind of come from this. It's, it's really, it'll be interesting. So. Lovely, lovely. Well, Taylor, thank you ever so much for being such an awesome guest. And I wish you all the best in the next endeavours. Thank you so much. All right, then see you soon. Ciao. That was such a refreshing, and no pun intended, conversation. And I hope you enjoyed listening to it too. I love the way Taylor has a passion for giving new purpose to things and learning new skills. She's definitely an inspiration for me. Also, I'm in utter admiration of her courage to weather the icy conditions every winter to go lake surfing and take pleasure in doing it too. It goes to say only a deadly worldwide pandemic will actually prevent a surfer from getting his or her daily medicine. To get hold of Taylor, head over to the Weird Waves podcast on all the podcast platforms and on Instagram at Weird Waves Podcast and Wave Babe Hair, all in one word. Check out episode 28 of the Weird Waves podcast because I'm in it and I was really privileged to be on her podcast. Links to these are in the show notes. At the time this episode comes out, we're actually in week two of the quarantine here in France. And the first week really, really freaked me out. I wasn't as much stressed about being cooped up because I work from home anyway and spend most of my time between my office and my kitchen. But I was just plain worried for my family and friends. And I've been through all sorts of phases from, uh, yay, it's a giant holiday to actually baking frenzy, gardening, brewing beer and total meltdowns too. It's been kind of hard to find a balance between work and taking care of my family and also keeping my mind off the horrible news. I'm really thankful for your patience on social media. I haven't been posting very much and I guess I'll eventually figure this out and be more active on Instagram and Facebook. But at the end of the day, I really urge you to stay at home and think about the number of lives you can save by staying in quarantine. 
Anyway, that said, if you enjoy this podcast and it's livening up your daily quarantine, please share it with your friends and family. It's the best thing you can do to help me grow the podcast. You can always share your favourite photos and videos on the Ocean Riders Facebook group. It's called the Ocean Riders Community and links to it are in the show notes. I'm sure your stoke will actually be contagious and help us all lift our minds. It's really easy to join. Just head over to Facebook and look up the Ocean Riders community. You could share your tips for staying fit. You could share cook slams, favourite photos or anything else surf related. And it would really, really relieve everybody, I guess. You can also support my podcast by skipping over to my website at www.theoceanriderspodcast.com. It's all in one word, where you'll find the back catalogue of episodes. You'll find blog articles, photos and videos of my guests. Don't hesitate to sign up to the newsletter too. I must admit, I haven't had time to actually make a newsletter yet, but when I do, I'm sure it'll be awesome and you'll benefit enormously. I would have suggested actually having a look at my online merch shop. It's called theoceanridersshop.com, all in one word. But with the coronavirus, everything is kind of on hold and the postal services are a bit fluky. So anyway, if you want to support me, you can also head over to Facebook at The Ocean Riders Podcast, Instagram at The Ocean Riders Podcast and Twitter at Imi Podcast and follow me instead. This podcast wouldn't be possible without the collaboration of my awesome podcast editor, Leng Inke. She has been a rock during this time and really helped me stay on schedule and focused. Thank you, Taylor Morozova, for being my guest today. You are such an inspiration. And last but not least, I wanted to thank you guys for listening until the end. You really are awesome. Until next episode, take care, stay safe, have fun and enjoy the waves once you can go out. Until next episode, take care, have fun and enjoy the waves only once you can go out. Ciao.